So we actually are kicking off. If, if you'd like to share us live on Facebook, I'm sure that we're live now, so you're welcome to go to Facebook and share our feed. Um, kicking off, dreams do come true. Have you ever had a dream in your heart? And more specifically, what we're focusing on in this series, have you ever had a dream for a future boyfriend, girlfriend, spouse that you weren't sure if that was going to come true? Let's take it a step further, that you weren't just sure that would come true, but you were concerned about the issues that you have in that dream coming true. Pastor DeMarcus at our camp this summer read this passage, and I want to read it again out of Acts 17, and it will be on the screen as well. But let's take a look at Acts 17 in verse, uh, my mind just went blank, 16. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was greatly distressed to see that the city was full of idols. And so he reasoned in the synagogue with both Jews and God-fearing Greeks, as well as in the marketplace day by day for those who happened to be there. A group of Epicurean and Stoic philosophers began to debate with Paul, some of them asking, what is the blabber, blabber trying to say? Others remark, he seems to be advocating foreign gods. They said this because Paul was preaching the good news about Jesus. Look at your neighbor and say, Jesus and the resurrection. That's a powerful, that's powerful thing to preach right there. Then they took him and brought him to a meeting of Arapagus, where they said to him, may we know what this new teaching is that you are presenting. You are bringing some strange idols to our ears, and we would like to know what they mean. And all of the Athenians and the foreigners who lived there spent their time doing nothing but talking about and listening to the latest ideas. Does that sound like anything we know in today's culture? That people just sit around doing nothing but listening to the latest and current ideas. Oh, goodness, help us. Paul then stood up in the meeting of Areopagus and said, People of Athens, I see that in every way you are very religious, For as I walked around and looked carefully at your objects of worship, I found an altar with the inscription to an unknown God. So you are ignorant to the very thing you worship. Oh gosh, help them. And that this is what I'm going to proclaim to you. The God who made, I like this part. Paul kicks it into high gear. The God who made the world and everything in it, the Lord of heaven and earth, And does not live in temples built by human hands. And he is not serving the human hands as it is needing anything. Rather, himself gives everything life and breath and everything else. From one man he made all nations. That they should inhabit the whole earth. And he marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. God did this so that we would seek And perhaps reach out for him and find him. Let me make a full stop right here. If there is anything that this world needs, it isn't a solution to racism, even though that is something we do need. It isn't a solution to a political climate, even though that is something we do need. It isn't a solution to terrorism, even though that is something we do need. We need people who find themselves seeking him and perhaps reaching out to him and finding him. Though he is not far from any of us, for in him, Paul just drops the final bomb on him, for in him we live And in him we move 
and in him we have our very being. Father, we thank you for the truth that comes from your word. We open up our hearts tonight to receive all that you have for us. Speak to our hearts. Give us truth in our lives that will carry us from here into eternity. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, if you're filling in your blanks, your first thing is one of... Now, we talked about Paul walking into this room that had areas just full of gods. And he walks in and sees all these man-made gods as Pastor DeMarcus showed us at camp. But he finds this one to the unknown God. And he declares that this is the one in him we live and we have move and have our very being. Now, we're not, even though we're a couple of thousand years removed from this story, we still can have a creation of idols in our world and in our life that we may not knowingly or consciously realize that we have these idols. So I kind of, and, and candy of your choice, and Melinda will let you have it. I kind of made a little graphic here. Melinda, you just give them candy of their choice, whatever you have in your purse, Give it to them. Go to my little graphic of the idol. So anybody know where this idol is from? Candy of your choice. Candy of your choice. What do you think, Biscuit? Say it again. Ah, candy of your choice. You can just go through Miss Melinda's purse, find whatever you want, money, candy, cash. Just take it, take it all. So yes, the first idol that we may encounter is our mess God that we've created. Not the God, but our mess God. That's what Paul encountered. He said, I've got idols, 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 all man-made idols. These are all just tripping. One of our, man, our made gods could be our mess God. Here's the question, and, I, and I'll lighten up in a minute. I promise you I will. But have you ever made a mess of something in your life? Have you ever found your place where you were like, oh my goodness, how did I get to this place in, in life and in relationship and love and all that thing? And you look back and say, I made a mess out of this. It was upside down and it was, oh, we don't want to admit to this. And it was completely your fault. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever had a time in your life where you were looking at all the things going on and you're like, holy cow. I am the cause of all of this mess. And, and, and you may know people, don't point, but there are some people that have made messes of their lives and they're the last people to figure out that they're the common denominator of all their messes. Broke up with this person, broke up with this other person, broke up with this other person. Like, Do you realize you are the common thread with all this situation? It's upside down and completely your fault. What happens when you walk around life and you have to carry a mop because of all the messes you've made? Have you ever felt like this? You're like, here I am. This is a new mop head, by the way. It smells delicious. And you're having to walk around, not physically because this would be a little bit weird, but you're having to walk around in life with all the messes you've created, all the messes you've endured, all the messes you've put up with. Oh, help me, somebody. And you feel like all I ever do, Jonathan, is clean up the messes that I make in my life. I've got hope for you. Don't worry. Don't worry. Paul, Paul helped us out. Let's keep going. The thing about the mess, God, is we're never too quick to get out of it. 
Have you ever had that time in your life where you look back at a certain situation or a certain relationship or a certain circumstance, you're like, why in the world did I stay there for that long? Like, if I had my current day faculties and senses to me, I would stay in that relationship or in that situation for a maximum of 30 seconds. And I stayed three years in that mess. We sit in it hoping that something will change. And then we try to bring it. If you go back to your mess God, you try to pray to your mess God. Mess God, would you please make my mess not a mess? And your mess God is like, I'm a mess God. (laughs) How can I make something not a mess? I'm a mess God. And by the way, as Paul found out, I'm the mess God that you created. Isn't it sad that we have gods in our lives that we created and we're hoping that they'll change it and they're looking back at us saying, you're the weirdo that made me. I promise I'm going somewhere. That we're hoping it will change, and this is profound, it won't because it's a mess. (laughs) There's only one way to get rid of a mess. Wash the mess away. And when we go back to verse 23 of Acts 17, it says, Paul told him, he said, you are ignorant of the very thing that you worship. And I know that's true from, in my life, that we find ourselves in places where we have set other gods in front of the Lord God, and we're ignorant that all the stuff that we're dealing with is of our own creation. How about, here's another one. We've only got three tonight, so don't worry. Here's another made God. It could be the impatient God. That's right. Thank you, Chloe. The impatient God. I don't like to wait on anything. Traffic, grocery lines, nothing. So we can create this impatient God. Here's what we call it's the I don't want to wait God. It says, did, did you see my graph? Did you, did you show my little God? See, there he is, the impatient God. So weird because he looks like the mess God. <laughs> I didn't get very creative with all my gods. <laughs> of course, if you're making gods, just keep on making copies of them because you, you don't have to be as creative. It's the I don't want to wait God. Here's the thing that's very simple but profound is that if I have to wait, then that means I have to trust. <laughs> I don't like trusting. Trusting means that I don't, can't see or have or envision what I want. And I have to trust that God said that he would do what he would do. I lost my place first. Here we go. Trust requires effort and being uncomfortable. That if we're standing before the impatient God, the impatient God will not minister to you trust. The impatient God will not minister to you uncomfort, discomfort. The impatient God would tell you, remember this is the impatient God that you created. The impatient God will tell you, don't trust and be comfortable. But the eternal God will tell you, trust, and you'll go through some times of discomfort. Here's uh, the impatient God I have right here. 
a bag of chicken. Does anybody like chicken? So this is uh, breaded chicken breast tenderloins. Does anybody like eating these? Anybody else? Yes. Put a little ketchup on them. Yes. A little Chick-fil-A sauce. One of these days, Taylor's going to realize that he's supposed to love Chick-fil-A sauce. But I want you to know something about this package in particular that it says, let me see if I can find it, crispy out of the oven, it better be, uncooked. So if I decided to rip open this package of breaded chicken breast tenderloins and I decided to pass these out right now, do I have any takers? As a matter of fact, Mason is leaving. He's, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't recommend that you take this out of the bag, but if you put it in the oven for 25 minutes, ain't nobody got time for that, 25, what is this, and, and 450 degrees, Jonathan, do you know how long it's going to take the oven to get to 450 degrees? Like eight minutes. And then after eight minutes, another 25 minutes for breaded chicken breast tenderloins. Ain't nobody got time for all that. I want chicken now. But we often in our lives, and certainly in relationships, rip open the tops of impatient relationships and gnaw on raw chicken and wonder why it's not good. And we pray to the impatient God, give me now and give me comfort. Get rid of this necessity to have to trust God. I'm not interested in trusting God. I'm interested in raw chicken right now that tastes like cooked. Can I help you out on something? That if we find our lives gnawing on raw chicken, expecting to, to taste like cooked chicken, <laughs> Do I really need to help you with that? You're the dumb one on that, all right. <laughs> it's draw. Yeah, it's not ready. But how many of us do that in relationships and dreams? That we're sitting around on something we're supposed to, we're, sit, we're trying to live in something that God says, I want you to wait for. We're trying to apply the elements of our dream to something that God says, that's not ready yet. It's not something you want to hear. It's not, it's, not, it's not fun to hear that you have to wait. But it is his heart that you will trust. We try to make things work on our terms and never like the results. Don't raise your hand, but have you ever had that relationship that you were trying to get it to work out the way that you wanted it to work out. You did everything. Oh, you prayed. You prayed to the impatient God. You prayed, God, impatient God, that I created. Help me work this relationship out. And then you get to the end of this time, this effort, this effortless prayer, and you're looking at what's in front of you, and you don't even like it. Have you ever had that? That you were looking at somebody in a relationship, somebody that you had spent effort and time, and you don't even like them. And you tell them, I don't like you. No, don't do that. Just break up. Make it painless. The final made God. And these are just ones that I made up. There probably are many more. Paul said that he saw many. My final made up God is the God of no hope God. 
And this is the one the enemy will, whatever, whatever position you are in life, he will try to get you to bow down and worship the no hope God. I've put my hope in things that have let me down is the no hope God. That I have taken hope that God has deposited on the inside of me and I have spent, I have, I have given up that hope to things that have let me down. We are foolish enough to believe that something that is outside of God's plan will bring me hope. Have, have you ever, don't raise your hand, I have, well I can raise my hand, I'll raise my hand for you and me. Have you ever been in that place where you knew that the pursuit of whatever it was was outside of God's plan and then wondered why there was no hope in it? I lost my place. Verse 24 in Acts 17, we read it already. He, God, does not live in temples built by human hands. That he said, I'm not going to live in something that you've created a little no-hope God, a little, a little impatient God, a little mess God. I'm not going to indwell that, and you have the qualities of, my, of, my, of me inside a God you created, and then you expect that God that you created to dispense what you're wanting in your life. If I try to build it, here's the funny thing, it usually falls down. And what we end up happening is this, is that we have these things that we have tried to build. I stole this out of the storage closet. Robert, Robert's our door guy here. And we're, this is a door handle, by the way. Everybody's like, look at, Bradley's like, ooh, an airplane. <laughs> I want to fly that, please. And what happens is that we have given our time and our effort and our energy to the no hope God. We got involved with people that we knew were against his plan. Preaching now, whether you like it or not. Hey, I'm a victim. No, I'm did it on my own doing. That we got ourselves into situations and then we couldn't get a handle on it. Have you ever had a life like that? Have you ever cried a tear or two when you were trying to get a handle on something that there was no hope in? That you were chasing around and crying, and guys, we get mad, and getting mad and getting put out, shutting, here's what guys do, shut down, care I don't care anymore and what you're doing in your heart is you're trying to get a handle on something that in God so no hope God how can we pray to a no hope God but if we learn trust we learn to can I help you with something to put out relationships that we know are not him and won't work and start believing that there's hope in tomorrow. I'm about to read you a quote that you've heard me say before. Then all of a sudden, in your life, you grasp the handle. It, it happens every time. 
Have you, have you ever had those times or, or knew somebody that they were trying to get a hold of it and they finally got to that place where they said, not my will, God, but your will be done. And all of a sudden they grab a hold of the handle and they realize that he said he, would, he will do what he said. Let's finish up here. I am, I am let down by my own doing. And then this was the quote that I, that I, from Bill Johnson, that anything that does not inspire hope in your heart is under the influence of a lie. That you can look at every single space and place in your heart and in your life. And if there is any place I don't care how big or how small it is. If there is any place in your life that does not inspire hope in your spirit, then whatever that is, is under the influence of a lie. What an easy way to live. I was, I, we were going to lunch. We've been in training the last two days at school. And it's not fun training. It's just kind of training is training. You know, anything that you do that's training, it doesn't, it doesn't start fun, doesn't end fun, and it's not fun in the middle. And so we were driving to lunch, and I was talking about Bill Johnson to one of the teachers. And I said, well, you know, his famous quote that I love to quote all the time is, anything that doesn't inspire hope in your life is under the influence of a lie. And she goes, this training is a lie. <laughs> because right now it's not inspiring hope inside of me. Real quickly, let's show what kind, I'm going to finish with this, what kind of God is our God? Well, Paul said, in him we live. That my life, of ev- that the life of every one of my dreams is already in him. Isn't that a place to rest? That the life of every single one of my dreams already exists in it. Why? Because he is a God of life. That if there's no hope in it, and if there's discouragement in it, and if there's no... no uh, there's depression in it or anything along the, if there's anything that does not ignite something of life inside of me then it is safe to say that it is not from God the god this is Romans 4:17 the god who gives life to the dead and calls into being things that were not that every stage of my dream is meant to be infused with the life of God. That, that you can look at your life and none of us, none of us in this room, whether you're married or not, none of us in this room can say, I know what the next year is gonna be. I know what the next six months is gonna be. I know what the next week is. None of us know that. None of us even know what tomorrow is going to be. But the truth is that in every stage of the, this life, of your life, in every stage of your life, that God has already planted his life in where you're going. If there's no life in it, then there's no God in it. That you can look at every part of your life. If you're trying to clean house, if you're trying to do spring inventory, uh, spring cleaning or inventory, that if you look in your life, is there any life in this? And if you say there's no life in whatever this relationship, this situation, if there's no life in it, then there's no God in it. Taylor, if you'll come on down. The number two that Paul told me, he said, in him we move. 
that all of my dreams, that all of your dreams are moving forward in him. That you may be standing at a place where you have no clue what tomorrow or next week holds. That you have no clue where you're going to end up or who you're going to end up with. And God says, and that's why I love the people that are coming over the next couple of weeks, because there were times in, in both of these couples' lives that there was no hint of what God had prepared for them. God is always moving my life forward. It's never with these signs and these road signs that say, Jonathan, I'm moving you forward. That comes through trust. It may be an inward movement, but it's always forward. That on the outside, it may look like nothing is changing, that nothing is different, that nothing is going that direction. But on the inside, God's plan is to move you forward. Proverbs 4.18, that the path of the righteous is like a morning sun, shining ever brighter into the full light of day. That, that's God's plan. That when he looks at your path and your life, he says, I've got this course that I've plotted out that it's like a morning sun, that it's going to get brighter and then brighter and then brighter. And this scripture in Proverbs says that, that his goal for us, that his end point is that until it's as bright as the new day, noonday sun. So here's the key. If I tune my heart into his, then I'll see the movement that he has me on. That I can be in a place, that you can be in a place where nothing outwardly is different. But you've tuned your heart into where he is. And then your heart ends up having full confidence that he is moving me in the direction that he has for me. And then the last thing that Paul says is in him we have our being. That all of your dreams exist in him. There isn't a dream that God has for your life that isn't already fully, fully placed and fully completed in Him. There's not a dream that you're going to walk out, whether it's your destiny, whether it's your future spouse, that there is not a dream that He has planned for you that isn't living large on the inside of God. 1 Thessalonians, now may, be the, may the God of peace make you whole in every way, that you may be a whole, what kind of spirit? A whole spirit, and a whole soul, and a whole body, being kept blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ comes again. God will make this happen, for he who calls you is faithful. I like that. That I, can, that I can say, what kind of spirit am I designed to have? I'm designed to have a whole spirit. That what kind of soul are you supposed to have? God designed you that you'd have a whole soul. John, then you might be saying, Jonathan, you don't know what it's like to be where I am. That's not what he bases his word over you on. He doesn't base it on where you, he bases it on where he is. 
that if he's decided that you're going to be a whole spirit, soul, and body, he's already standing in the place of you being a whole spirit, soul, and body. There's no one that believes in your dreams more than God does. There kind of has been this trend where you set out your dreams and you say your dreams and you set forward your dreams and you hope in your dreams and and I'm not against that. I think that's probably a healthy place to be. But let me tell you what we've replaced with. That, That we replaced the dreams that God has. And, and who is to say that our today isn't the full dream of God? That's not a popular, <laughs> they're not going to sign up for your seminar if you say what you're living right now is the full dream of God for your life. No, no, if my name is world renowned, if my car is a Ferrari, if my house is 10,000 square feet, if my bank account has millions, then that's a dream then that's a place to be. Then that's something to put before you. That's something to put in in your dream chest. And who is to say that today is not the fulfillment? Well, let me just say it. Today is the fulfillment of God's dream in your life. I think we're waiting for something that he's holding his head in heaven saying, what about today? What about what I've given you today? Your last thing. If I find him in everything that I do, I'll find fulfillment in every dream that he's placed in my heart. That we too too much have been looking at the gods we've created and then we walk up to this unknown God and kind of look at it funny so what's this? And God's saying, that's the God of dreams that I designed you for. That if you find all that you are in all that he is, then all of his fulfillment is completed in you. It's not easy. Why? Because we're human. That takes you and I grabbing ourselves by the church and saying, get your hope out of gods that don't produce. Get your hope out of gods that you've made. Put your hope in the one who made you. Every head bowed, every eye closed, just in this moment. Maybe you're in here tonight and you're in a broken dream. Maybe you're in a dream that you're saying, Jonathan, I have made a mess of it. Maybe you're in a dream that you're saying, I've been impatient with where I am. Maybe you're in a a dream that you said all the hope has been depleted from my dream. There is a God. He's not man-made. 
but he's here tonight. He declared, I'm not made by human hands. And he's here to infuse life back into your dream. So Father, I pray over every dream here tonight. Whether it's dreams that have seemed to lay dormant, whether it's dreams that seem to be delayed, whether it's dreams that seem to be impossible. But I know by your spirit, it's a whole different story. By your spirit, you're walking our days out. So I thank you, God, tonight that a refreshing of your dream over us is filling our lives tonight. Someone in here tonight, maybe more than one, you haven't been sleeping at night because you've been tormented by your past, by your future, by your mistakes. And I pray, I don't know who it is, just the Lord prompted me. And I pray right now, by the power of the Holy Spirit, That attack, that assignment is broken in the name that is above every name. That at the name of Jesus, that assignment over your life that causes you not to sleep and be preoccupied is broken in the name of you. Just receive. Whoever that is, you just receive. That's it. Just receive. Receive the grace of God. Receive the hope of God. Receive the trustworthiness of God. Receive the refreshing and the rest. Father, I speak over their mind right now. I speak over their spirit. I speak over their emotions. And I call rest over them. Rest in the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name.